Welcome to Ministry in Motion, a program where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Kent. And I'm Derek Morris. Whether you live in Cameroon or Cambodia, Tunisia or Tanzania, God wants you to be a great Christian leader. Whether you're a full-time pastor or a lay leader of your local Christian fellowship, God wants to use you to impact your world. Today, we'll talk with C.D. Brooks, retired speaker and evangelist. He'll share his experiences and lessons learned from his years in public evangelism. Derek, I'm really looking forward to this time with Pastor Brooks. I am too, Anthony, because when I was a young pastor, actually just getting started about 30 years ago, I was looking for someone who would mentor me in evangelistic preaching. And God blessed me to connect with C.D. Brooks. I didn't realize how much it would change my life and ministry. But I think the insights he's going to share today will bless thousands of leaders around the world. I agree, Derek. I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, as a teenager, I went to a youth congress and he was the speaker. And I still remember his messages from all those years ago. So let's, let's welcome C.D., shall we? Thank you. We'll be right back with C.D. Brooks. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. We're so pleased that we have a special guest in our program today, Pastor C.D. Brooks. Welcome, Pastor Brooks. Thank you so much for coming on Ministry in Motion. Thank you for having me. I consider it a great privilege. Thanks so much. Now, Pastor Brooks, you've had a long and very effective and a blessed ministry as an evangelist. We're eager to hear from you. What would you say are the most important things about preparing yourself for an, a public evangelistic series? There are so many things. I hope we can touch on one or two that will be helpful. First of all, I didn't want to be an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. I was accepted in pre-dentistry at A&T University two weeks before the Lord called me. And he was so explicitly clear mm -hmm. in what he wanted me to do that I could never have missed his point and it would have been dangerous for me to go against it. So the thing that I learned, first of all, was the value of prayer. Mm -hmm. You got to get yourself to praying yeah. and you got to pray until all signals are go. Mm -hmm. If you pastor, as I always did, I preferred that. An evangelist would come in and, and uh, when he was gone, the people were more or less left alone. I wanted to be a pastor evangelist. Mm -hmm. I was eager to run the campaigns yes. and then eager to begin all over again with my brand new people in uh, my own Sabbath school class. Can you imagine a great big room with uh, up to 200 people in there just baptized. Isn't that wonderful? I didn't bother much with the regular quarterly. I taught them the same truths over again. Right. Okay. Our old professor in homiletics used to say, repetition deepens the impression. Mm -hmm. So you tell them, then you tell them what you told them, mm -hmm. and then you tell them once again. Okay. And when you do that and you cover the, the messages, those fundamental beliefs, when you cover them thoroughly, the people are usually anchored and you don't have that loss mm. after the drama and excitement of the main campaign is over. 
Now, it sounds like prayer was an essential part of your preparation. You, you almost prayed people in, into that, that class that you were holding there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's important to understand this. We take too much responsibility upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are told by the pen of inspiration that when you do God's work uh, humbly and prayerfully, He makes Himself responsible for your success. Yes. So I don't think it's healthy or good to worry about how this is going to work. Some men are so nervous they won't even try it. Yeah. They won't begin to do it. Yeah. But we need to understand that when we are involved in this work, there's somebody else involved in that same work, always by your side. His name is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And when He is there, things roll as they should. Yeah. Now, when, when you're doing evangelism and you're working, you, you mentioned that you, you like to do pastoring with your evangelism. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with the local church prior to the evangelistic series? You need a revival in your church prior to the evangelistic uh, series. Mm -hmm. uh, where I did it last as a pastor evangelist uh, was in the north in Ohio and it was very cold. January, February, and March. Just the weather was cold? Believe me, that, okay. that's what I'm talking about. Okay. But it was so bitterly cold, the people that you want to contact and invite were not amenable to opening the door. They don't know you, so they can't invite you in immediately. They open the door and stand there in the cold while you try to explain what you're all about. It didn't work very well. So we used that time to prepare the church for the coming campaign. Nice. And we had... Uh, a Bible training class. Mm -hmm. And we did exactly that. And we tried to cover everything, answer all the questions, really get ready. But in the meantime, that prayer habit that you have developed now uh, devolves upon them and they've got to pray. And when people are praying by faith, we can move the arm of God. That's so exactly I didn't worry myself about yeah. a lot of things that people worry about. I laid it on the Holy Spirit. So, so with the your emphasis on prayer, on training of the local church members, yes. and particularly biblical training. What, what are the key things that you're covering in that training with the church members? Well, first of all, to draw them together and train them, mm -hmm. we go over the very truths that I will present in a different form okay. in the hall or the pavilion. Okay. So we want them to be aware of what's going on. We want them to feel involved. We tell them how to all become hostesses and hosts, mm -hmm. to stand around to welcome those who are coming in and to be friendly and to be a liaison between the church and the public, between God and those whom God is seeking to reach. We try to dwell on every single point that will give us an advantage in doing the campaign. Now, I believe this with all my heart. Souls are not won by evangelists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're just tools in the Lord's hand. Yeah. Yeah. Souls are won by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And if we get Him involved, some of the things He, te he tells us to do might not appear as logical to the non-believer as they do to us. Mm -hmm. But we learn to trust God. And we do not talk failure. Yes. We do not think failure. We build a positive that's the point altogether. Okay. Now, there's something that every evangelist ought to know. When you get involved in this work, you're in person-to-person, hand-to-hand combat with the adversary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I tell evangelists sometimes when I visit them, Satan doesn't like you, and I want that to sink in just like that. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell them, I'd just soon have it that way. Who wants him to like us? Yes. The demons yes. don't even like each other, we are told. Yeah. But God loves us. 
and God will use us. So don't overemphasize charisma and the flow of language and ministerial style. Mm -hmm. The point is to get the truth out there and let the Holy Spirit work with that. At the same time, you want a friendly, uh, at ease demeanor. Yeah. You want to be tactful, mm -hmm. diplomatic. Mm -hmm. You want to be careful not to allow uh, uh, adversarial ideas to come up between you and some other group. Mm -hmm. I remember once I ran, it was actually my first campaign, and I used a brand new tent for it. And I found out by someone that there was an elitist church nearby, and he said to me, every Sunday, you are the subject. The pastor wants to straighten out what you've been teaching. And I, okay. And so one day he, he, he came to speak to me about that. He said, wait a minute, you're just a kid out of school. This man pastors the, so in the elite. And yeah. doesn't it bother you? I said, well, no. He said, well, why aren't you scared? Why doesn't it bother you? I said, because I don't have to make mine up. That's the power of the Word and the truth, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Pastor Brooks. Let me just see if I can just briefly summarize what we covered in, in our first portion of the program. We looked at the importance of prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit, and working in harmony with the Holy Spirit, the importance of training our members, and training our members in the biblical teachings, as well as in hospitality, in the warmth of Christian fellowship and so forth, and also preparing the church for the realities of what can be a spiritual battle be between what's good and, and what's evil. Thank you so much for that. We're looking forward to the second portion in our, in our program this afternoon, where we'll be looking at how we effectively manage ourselves during the evangelistic series. So stay tuned, won't you? We'll be right back in Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our guest today is Pastor Brooks, well-known evangelist, well-known pastor. <coughs> pastor Brooks, thanks again for being on our program. It's my pleasure, my friend. We're talking about evangelism. Now, when we're actually in the, the, the public evangelistic series itself, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of demands on the evangelist's time. How, how did you do it? How did you manage yourself and manage your time with all of that pressure? We did our very best to be well organized. And when you get the entire church involved in a campaign like that, you have committees and individuals who can help you do so many things. And please, don't leave out the young people. Ah. We, we had a church, my wife was in charge of this, that tried to do special things for the youth. Mm -hmm. For instance, bike hikes on a Sunday morning, three or four big trucks would come and dump uh, a lot of bicycles on our lawn and we would put the kids on them and stretch them out uh, a mile or a mile and a half. And we had uh, men at the intersections to take care of that. And uh, we would go and ride bikes and have fun and play tennis and do all of that. And then the truck would come from the church with a hot meal. Okay. Our young people loved us. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the last things we would do with that group I'm talking about is go by Gibson's Ice Cream Parlor and I would walk into the person who was running the cash register and said, I'm going to stand here 
These are my people. Don't <laughs> stop anybody. Just add it all up. Okay. And when you finish, we will take care of that. And we did. Now, when the meeting was beginning, we told those young people and everybody else, we're declaring a moratorium on all these social events. We need you now to come to the help mm -hmm. of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they did. Okay. The young people would be as much involved as the older ones. As a matter of fact, it got to be such a habit that on Wednesday nights, my prayer meetings were full all the way to the balconies. So we involve everybody that we possibly can. Sounds like teamwork was really the name of the game. Of course. And, and unless the church in, involves itself in this, they're going to miss the greatest blessing. Yeah, yeah. They could easily say, well, we know these truths already, but mm -hmm. that isn't the point. Mm -hmm. There is an ambiance created by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit working on people that gives you a lift that you cannot get sitting at home reading about it. Yes. So we wanted them involved for that reason. Mm -hmm. Evangelism not only brought in new members, but it also did wonders for those who had been in the church a long time. Yeah. There's something else I, I would like to mention. Uh, at that same church, I, my sure. head is filling up with things I hadn't planned to say. But at that church, one day I just more or less accidentally went over to the files in the corner of my big office. Mm -hmm. And there was the role, the membership. Okay. And I pulled it out and I began to study it. And I said, I don't know that person. So I called in some of the elders, older people who had been around a long time. And we sat down and would you believe we isolated 300 names of people who didn't come to church. Mm -hmm. Now you think that's something. Listen to this. Some of those folk had been dead for years. Oh, really? Names still on the records. Mm -hmm. We decided to do something about it. We called together all the spiritual leaders of the church, all deacons and their wives, all elders and their wives, all deaconesses, and where we could, their husbands. Yes. And the spiritual leaders in the various departments. And we filled a huge room and we divided these names amongst them. We're going to visit every one of them. This we called reclamation evangelism. Okay. Now that's okay. the most tedious work you can do because when people don't come to church, they're usually blaming someone else. Yes. And so we had to prepare them and drill them mm -hmm. in how to approach these people and the love they must show mm -hmm. under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. I remember on one of our reports two weeks later, a man stood up and burst into tears. He said, Pastor, suppose you went to see someone and they cursed and slammed the door in your face. What do you do? I said, you wait a couple of weeks and you go back with fasting and prayer. Mm -hmm. We are not going to just drop 300 names. Yes. We're going after these people. Of course. And we're going to try to love them back to church. Yeah. Well, in many cases, we couldn't find them. Mm -hmm. Urban renewal had removed whole communities. I said, go to the nearest neighbors and ask if they somehow remember these people. Have any idea how we could reach them? We tried our best. Mm -hmm. This went on for months. Mm -hmm. And finally, the last part of it, Pastor Brooks would write a letter. Now, I learned how to write nice letters by writing right. to my girlfriends, you see, oh, okay. back in those days. Yeah. And I wrote a beautiful letter, if I say so myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to convey to them that this church cares. This church of today yes. is coming to your home because we care mm. and we love you. Mm -hmm. Please give us the opportunity. But if not, the only alternative left is to do something that is so serious it makes us shiver. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we also told our group that was working so hard, we're not just going to drop 300 names, we're going to baptize 300 to take their places. And by the grace of God, we were able to do that. And eventually, we did have to do 
the hard thing. Mm -hmm. Would you like to know how many we reclaimed in the reclamation? Tell us. Tell us. Seven. Wait a minute. Is it worth it? I want to quote Ellen White in a book called Evangelism. Mm -hmm. She said, one soul is worth more than the whole world. Yes. Now, that's either true or it's not true. I accept it as true. It's inspired. One soul. Jesus would have come for one soul mm -hmm. and died on the cross in order to save that soul. And so when a young minister that you told me to talk to is, is thinking that way, he will become less involved with competition, with numbers. Oh, uh, numbers, you want to baptize all you can, but I'm not going to baptize a three-year-old in order to make a number. Exactly. So it's that sort of thing that we're talking about. Yes. By the way, we had a four-point evangelistic thrust going on 24 uh, and 7 mm -hmm. and 12 months out of the year. We, we had personal evangelism. We taught the people to go and talk to their neighbors. And then we had public evangelism. That was the big campaign that I was running and talking about mostly. Yes. Then we had uh, reclamation evangelism mm -hmm. and field evangelism. That's the only one I haven't mentioned. We would call together car trains, 35, 40 cars, bumper to bumper. Right. And we'd load them up with five individuals. The sixth was the driver himself. Mm -hmm. We will have gone already to a new neighborhood where there was no presence of Adventism, where there was uh, no church or anything like that. We'd go there ahead of time and lay the place out in a grid. Then the drivers were given their instructions and they would take these people and for instance, if there were two boundary streets, he would work from one to the other, taking all streets to the right one block. Mm -hmm. On the way back, he'd take uh, streets out one mm -hmm. block. And when we finished in about 45 minutes with all the other groups, we will have covered the entire area. We call that field evangelism. Well, wow, that's, that's thorough coverage of the territory, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, you have yes. to do that. Well, we need to take a short break, Pastor Brooks, and we look forward to hearing more of your insights on public evangelism. And we'll be back in just a moment. But don't forget, you can watch this program again online at ministryinmotion.tv. Stay with us. Ministry in Motion will be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. We're delighted that our guest today is Pastor Brooks and joining Pastor Brooks, of course, is our co-host, Derek Morris. Pastor Brooks, I was wondering if there was one, how did you spend your day when you were in the cut and thrust of evangelism? How, how did you spend that day when you were typically running an evangelistic series? Because our work ran into the night, we tried to give our staff a little time in the mornings to take care of themselves, and they did. So we would have workers meeting at about 10.30. Right. Now that brought us all together. We have our lists of names and we have prospects indicated by your opinion and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would go over those names and talk about them and what their responses have been thus far. And then and we would be praying for those people. Oh, yes. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. That ended up in deep and earnest prayer for those people that day. Yeah. Then we would have lunch together mm -hmm. and then go immediately out into the field. We would go out to the homes of the people, knock on their doors, and we found them usually very happy. Oh, they'd say, Pastor, we're learning things we never knew before. That's what we want. 
And we want the Holy Spirit to guide that, to impress them, because as I said, the Holy Spirit wins souls. Yes. Humans really don't. Yes. They're just tools in the hands mm -hmm. of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Then we've got to, to also learn to be patient with people. Uh, I remember someone mentioned follow-up. After the campaign ended and the big baptism had taken place, there could be a great letdown. Yes. But we didn't allow that. In the first place, we'd always have a prominent speaker coming in for a week, and we thought of all kinds of little novel things. Uh, I used to read a lot, and there was a story, The Charge of the Light Brigades. You've heard that. Well, I was sitting, and we were talking about it, uh, brainstorming, The Charge of the Flashlight Brigade. So we went out and bought about 150 flashlights. Right. And then we brought back 150 books. Why 150? We counted all the houses on the two long blocks on either side of the church. These people were a little bit irked with us. They considered us, I was told, as the ones who take their parking spaces. I see. So we needed to do something. Mm -hmm. And we had Elder Bradford, that powerful preacher, in to preach that week. And I was leading the song service. And the young people turned and picked up their flashlights and their books. The younger men were in front. They raced down toward the end of the block so that almost at the same time, they walked up the steps and knocked on the doors and they began to flash their lights like this. Well, you didn't have to call anybody to the door. They wanted to know what in the world is that? And they'd come to the door and all these lights were going and they would say, we are the young people from the Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are your friends. You are our neighbors. We love you. And it occurred to us we hadn't told you so. So we came tonight to tell you and to bring your gift, a book, a full message book. And then they would ask, is there any sick in your home? If so, we'd like to have prayer. And they were invited in. In a moment or two, they were on their way back. Mm. I'm leading the song service. Mm -hmm. They give me a signal. I give the deacons a signal. They kill all the lights. And the young people come in flashing those lights across the ceiling of the church. This little light of mine, a simple idea, but it sparked enthusiasm. Yeah. Now, the most helpful thing was teaching the people again what they'd already learned. I really don't have any great interest in this, but I got the impression that we were the ones who invented the idea of spiritual partners. It's the first time I'd ever heard of it, and we did it. Right. We assigned a spiritual partner, and we sat in judgment, really. We didn't want a careless person to be partnered with a brand new believer, young or old. Mm -hmm. So we did our best. We had a large church. We did our best to choose spiritual people. They became partners. You look after them. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. think it's easy for a man to pastor 1,500 folk, oh, yeah. you've got another thought coming. So we are assigning you. They loved it. And if that person missed a Sabbath, you think it was ignored. No, sir. That same day we were there. So important. That's, that's critical, isn't it? It's critical. That, that immediate follow-up. Immediate follow-up. It, it tells a, a big story and an important story about the value of that one soul that we talked about yes. earlier. And I want to tell you this, and I mean this with all my heart. We did not lose. And I thank God. If you didn't catch the part about the Holy Spirit, then I'm saying it again. The Holy Spirit's responsible for this. Mm -hmm. And we thank God for the fact we didn't lose folk, mm. uh, even up to the estimate that had been given. We didn't lose people like that. Maybe one or two, but not groups. They stayed by the truth. There's one other thing I'd like to touch on that is very important. Sure. I am a bit troubled today by what appears to me to be incomplete work in evangelism. Mm -hmm. um, 
there are seven basic reforms. I, I wrote this in my notebook and I taught it in the groups. Seven basic reforms that we cover or else you haven't completed your work. The first I call moral reform. From the opening night, they ought to start wanting to be better. Mm -hmm. The second would be lifestyle, that is obedience. The third one is Sabbath reform. And we're told if they accept that, they will accept the rest of it. Yes. After that came dress reform, health reform, social reform, mm -hmm. and finally ecclesiastical reform. Now, if you haven't covered these, you've not really finished your work. Yeah. Yeah. We were blessed even after we finished and retired from that work to have the privilege of working with Andrews University. They would send up to 30 men to work with us in a campaign. Mm -hmm. The last big one was in Chicago, and I remember telling them that opening day, gentlemen, you are wondering why we fool with you. The reason is manifest. You can't help us a lot. You've got to leave in a month. We are here for two months. Mm -hmm. Why do we do it? We do it because we older men have discussed you, and you're not going to pastor the elite churches of the land. Some of you are going to the Delta in Mississippi. Some are going to this place and that, and we want you to catch this contagion called evangelism and pass it around and never lose confidence in it, and thus it is perpetuating this spirit. And I give God the glory and the honor for it. Thanks, so Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Pastor Brooks. Powerful testimony. We've just caught a glimpse of the passion and that the Holy Spirit power that we can sense has empowered your whole ministry. Amen. Thanks so much for coming on Ministry in Motion and sharing these pearls with us. Well, of course, we're looking forward to further Ministry in Motion programs and we'll be offering many opportunities where you can grow your skills in ministry. You're welcome to come to our website, ministryinmotion.tv and you can watch this program again online. So until next time, may God bless you and your ministry for Him.